As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Checking in on Drew Locke, Le'Veon Bell, and Dwayne Haskins on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fantasy Football in 15 here at The Athletic. It is Thursday, October 8th. Thank you for joining us. I am Michael Beller, and I am joined, as I am for every episode of FF in 15, by Derek Van Riper. DVR Week 5, kicking off tonight with the Buccaneers and the Bears. How are you doing? Doing great. Looking forward to another great week of matchups and uh, hoping for the best as we continue to get uh, a handful of positive COVID tests. It seems like the Titan situation isn't getting better as quickly as we'd hope so I'm kind of curious to see if there's any more schedule adjustments that happen before the end of the week yeah we are obviously going to be watching that the rest of this week we talked about it in a little bit of depth on the uh, Wednesday episode of the athletic fantasy football podcast so check that out if you haven't listened to it and we'll touch on the Titans a little bit here but first let's discuss this Thursday night football game not fully discussed we talked about it a lot on Wednesday's episode but really just update you on where all those Buccaneers injuries stand uh, as uh, this game is set to kick off in a few hours so we know for sure now we pretty much knew it already but now we know for sure Chris Godfrey LaShawn McCoy, they are both out. They will not play tonight. Leonard Fournette, doubtful with his ankle injury, so unlikely to play. That means a backfield all to Ronald Jones. Mike Evans and Scotty Miller officially listed as questionable, but all signs point to them being able to play. So Tom Brady, I think probably right on the QB1 fringe. You could play him if you've been playing him, maybe treat him as you normally would, but it could be a rough game, a tough matchup against the Bears defense that has been good against the pass, not so great against the run. And then, of course, no Chris Godwin, um, no Leonard Fournette, no O.J. Howard. So he will be without some key weapons. Yeah, I mean, I, I keep looking at the Mike Evans week-over-week game log, and it's, <laughs> it's puzzling, strange. right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he scored in each of the first four games, but one catch for two yards and a score against the Saints in Week 1. Uh, two catches, two yards, two scores against the Broncos in week three, but a couple of 100-yard games with more targets and, of course, a touchdown in each in weeks two and four. If Mike Evans plays, I think you have to use him in almost all circumstances, mm-hmm. but he didn't practice all week. This looks like a legitimate sort of game-time decision, so unfortunately you're going to have to be tuned in uh, right up until 90 minutes before kickoff unless the Bucks tip their hand a little earlier. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do think he's going to play, and I agree with you. If he does play, uh, I think you want him in there. On the other side of this game, we talked on Wednesday's episode about David Montgomery uh, and the tough matchup that he faces against this Bucks defense. I think that still holds. This defense was very good against the run uh, last year. They've been very good against the run this year, shutting down the likes of Alvin Kamara. Christian McCaffrey, last year Saquon Barkley was in that mix, Derrick Henry was in that mix, but maybe we got a little uh, heads up from a listener, maybe we undersold uh, David Montgomery's uh, role in the passing game for the Bears. Yeah, he really didn't leave the field. I was looking at the receptions column, just looking for five or six catches, I saw three, and that was kind of in line with what he'd done previously, but six targets, I believe, were a season high, and if you look at the routes run, this is something that Dookie on Twitter pointed out. Uh, he was among the leaders of the position. Jarek McKinnon ran 37 routes in Week 4, according to Radar360. I think David Montgomery ran 31 based on that. And it says a lot about the lack of personnel behind him right now. I think we keep looking at Lamar Miller and wondering if he's going to end up being a threat to Montgomery's hold on that job. But barring a change in personnel, quietly, it looks like David Montgomery is a lot more involved in the passing game so far with the absence of Tariq Cohen. Yeah, those 31 routes, definitely music to a David Montgomery manager ears. And uh, with no real changes to the Bears' backfield this week, could be just as involved in the passing game for the Bears against the Buccaneers later tonight. Let's move on now to uh, some things that are happening Sunday. At least we hope this one is happening Sunday. Broncos and Patriots supposed to get together on Sunday. Of course, the Patriots, another high-profile positive COVID test with Stephon Gilmore. That news breaking on Wednesday. So that game in a holding pattern as of right now. But for the sake of our conversation, it's only interesting to have this conversation if we assume this game is going to get played. And if it does get played, Drew Locke could be back out there for the Broncos. He returned to practice on Wednesday, participated in a ton of drills, made a lot of throws, so definitely headed in the right direction uh, for this Sunday. I feel like you're probably not trusting Drew Locke, maybe if you are in a 2QB or Superflex League, he's your QB3, and you've got Aaron Rodgers or Matthew Stafford with those two guys on a bye this week, then sure, of course, you really have no choice. In a normal situation, I think you're probably not trusting Drew Locke, Noah Fant, also a long shot to play this week because of his ankle injury, that coming from Vic Fangio on Friday, or on Wednesday, excuse me, but maybe a boost for the rest of the skill players left there. I would feel decent about guys like Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick if Locke is able to go in this game. Yeah, I think it's kind of a skinny tree with Judy and Patrick because K.J. Hamler has a hamstring injury and he's not going to play on Sunday either. I, I think the appeal for Drew Locke kind of comes after this matchup in New England, though. It's a, a tough New England defense, at least a tough enough defense to slow down a young quarterback that's missing a few key weapons in this matchup. So uh, I'm still optimistic about him, even though they don't have Cortland Sutton coming back this season. I think they still have enough talent around him as they get healthier to make Drew Locke a guy that occasionally pops up, maybe in the mid-pack among quarterbacks. I mean, of course, bye weeks and injuries, there's a chance that he creeps up even higher than that at some point. But I actually like his setup looking forward, even though I'm not crazy about it in Week 5 against New England. Yeah, Philip Lindsay sounds like he's going to be able to make his return too. Hasn't played since week one because of turf toe, but he was practicing on Wednesday. So it looks like Melvin Gordon is going to have to share that backfield in Denver once again. Uh, let's hit on the Tennessee Titans now. Of course, uh, we've got uh, some more positive tests coming from there. We also had Corey Davis added to the COVID-19 reserve list on Wednesday. So he, unfortunately, one of the Titans players who has tested positive for COVID. Adam Humphreys is already on the list. So this is a team that is looking thin 
at a lot of key positions. And the game with the Bills, still uncertain this week. Um, you know, they, they had the extra positive. Things looked like they were heading in the right direction after two days, Monday and Tuesday, of negatives. Now they get the positive return on a Wednesday. We get, you know, test Wednesday and Thursday, right? So they need two days to return to their facility, two days worth of negatives. Then if Wednesday's tests are negative, Thursday's tests are negative, they get those Thursday results on Friday. They can open the facility Practice Friday, practice Saturday, and then host the Bills on Sunday. But it's just a messy, messy situation and one that we will be watching closely. Of course, it has major effects on the other side of this game, too. We're talking about Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, Stephon Diggs, John Brown. So a lot of fantasy uh, things to be watching with respect to the Tennessee Titans and if they're going to be able to return to the field in Week 5. Someone else we're looking at as a potential returner in Week 5 is Le'Veon Bell. He has been out since Week 1 because of a hamstring injury. On Wednesday, the Jets designated him to return from IR, so that means they now have a 21-day, three-week window to bring him back to the active roster. And there's speculation that that could happen as soon as this Sunday. He did practice on Wednesday, so things looking good for Le'Veon Bell. Let's assume he does get this start on Sunday, Derek. Uh, we know Joe Flacco also getting a start in place of the injured Sam Darnold. If Le'Veon goes for the Jets, does he go for you? I think he does. I think volume is everything in fantasy football. And I mean, at the worst case scenario, you have to at least think about him as a flex option, but I think he's probably more of an RB2. And I know there's really not a great relationship, to put it really nicely, between Le'Veon Bell and Adam <laughs> Gase. But if you look at the workloads down the stretch last season, from about week nine on, more often than not, Le'Veon Bell was getting 20 touches between his role on the ground and what he was doing as a pass catcher. This is an offense desperate for weapons, whether it's Flacco under center this week, Sam Darnold eventually getting back under the center at some point down the future. I'm looking at this situation as one where, at worst, Bell is kind of like a David Johnson type where you have to keep throwing him out there in most situations because he gets enough touches and I think in the case of Bell, I'm a little more optimistic because of the way he can likely be used in the passing game on a consistent basis. Yeah, I would feel pretty good about Le'Veon Bell this week. Good enough, right? Re uh, relative to what we expect him to be, I would feel totally fine about playing him if he returns for the Jets. I do have him on one team. That's a 3-1 and one team. It's a good team. It's got uh, decent running backs, Alvin Kamara, James Robinson, Daryl Henderson, a uh, pretty deep wide receiver group. Uh, and I'm going to probably play him on that team if he comes back this week. And, and, you know, we talked about Joe Flacco and Jamison Crowder, his effect on Jamison Crowder on the Wednesday episode. And one thing we both agreed on was that, you know, this is a veteran quarterback. He's not someone who you want to lean on as your week-in, week-out starter, but he's a better-than-average backup, certainly, and he's a guy who understands the strengths and weaknesses of his own team, has that you know, veteran ability to pretty easily step into a situation and know where the best places to go are, and that very comfortably is Le'Veon Bell and Jamison Crowder with this Jets team. So I wouldn't expect any sudden drop-off in uh, expected volume for Le'Veon Bell if he is able to return here. I think we're looking at him basically as a comfortable RB2. And you know whether you start him as an RB2 or whatever, it doesn't really matter. It's just to give you a picture of where he sits in the uh, fantasy football world in Week 5, should he be able to make his return. I think you would have to be very deep at both your running back and your flex option spots uh, to be able to sit Le'Veon Bell down this week. I feel totally fine about him. Definitely think that the volume is going to be there for him should he be able to get back on the field against the Cardinals. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. 
You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Derek, a surprise piece of news coming down the pike on Wednesday. Dwayne Haskins has been benched in Washington. Kyle Allen is going to get the start on Sunday against the Rams. I feel like there's got to be something else going on here because, I mean, is Dwayne Haskins lighting the world on fire? No, but we're talking about a guy who has had less than a season's worth of starts. He's already played for different, two different head coaches. He's had two different play uh, uh, callers to, to get used to, to try to play under. He hasn't been gifted the best situation, and they're just yanking the rug out from under him and taking him out as the starter is. just feels like uh, something doesn't fully meet the smell test here because uh, it's almost as though they want Dwayne Haskins to fail if they're really choosing to say that this is based on play and play alone. What evidence do we have that Kyle Allen could possibly be better? I mean, Kyle Allen with a good supporting cast in Carolina last year with Christian McCaffrey, with DJ Moore, with some other interesting secondary options in that offense, didn't do anything more efficiency-wise than what Haskins is doing with the terrible supporting cast that he's dealt with during his first two seasons in the league. So this is a lateral move at best. Maybe there is something more that we don't know about that's going on, but you have to think that there's a good chance Dwayne Haskins is playing somewhere else in 2021. And the Washington football team is such a traditionally incompetent group. I look at this front office, I look at this ownership group, and I think if they're making a decision on a player like Dwayne Haskins in these situ- in this circumstance, like this, I'm on the other side of it. Like I'm just fading them blindly. I'm saying, you know what? I don't know the whole story, but I'm willing to wager that Dwayne Haskins is a lot better than Kyle Allen and good enough to be an NFL starter if you put him in a situation where he has even just league average weapons. How do, how do you get better by not playing? You know, if you <laughs> yeah. like, I saw someone put an argument out there that this is protecting Haskins. This isn't protecting Haskins. This is stunting development. You're losing valuable game reps. You're losing a chance to go out there and get better and improve upon those flaws. I, I don't really know what else he's supposed to do. Uh, so this is a very surprising development. I don't like, I don't really like anybody in this offense other than Terry McLaurin at mm-hmm. this point. I mean, Antonio, Antonio Gibson, Gibson yeah. keeps showing flashes of, of maybe taking on even a larger role week in and week out. So maybe you can say that it's a lateral move in terms of Allen being capable of matching Haskins' floor, but... Haskins was a first-round pick for a reason. Like You had to believe there was more of a ceiling with him than a guy that you could sign as a free agent who was an undrafted free agent a couple of years ago when he came into the league. It's so ridiculous. It's falling for the uh, the temptation of, quote, knowing the system, right? They uh, Ron Rivera, Scott Turner, they bring Kyle Allen over from Carolina with them, and it's like, well, he knows our system, so uh, maybe he's better than the guy who could possibly be the face of our franchise and has only had 13 career starts in adverse circumstances, right? It's, it's totally 
totally ridiculous. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not necessarily saying that Dwayne Haskins is going to you know, suddenly become this perennial MVP candidate and lead Washington to multiple Super Bowls, but at least give him a chance, right? Like, we don't know for sure if Dwayne Haskins is good or bad. We know for sure that Kyle Allen is, at best, a serviceable backup in the NFL, and I just, I, I think it's ridiculous. So, as far as the fantasy relevance of this goes... I'm still playing Terry McLaurin, although he didn't practice on Wednesday because of a thigh injury. I'm still playing Antonio Gibson, touchdowns in three straight games. Uh, got mo more involved in the passing game last week than he has been uh, in any week this season. Four catches on five targets for 82 yards, but I don't like it. If I have Antonio Gibson or if I have Terry McLaurin, I do not like this change, although I am still treating them the way I did when Dwayne Haskins was the starter. Really quickly, I'm just going to run through some of the bigger injury news from Wednesday's uh, practices, and then we'll wrap things up. Lamar Jackson didn't practice. It's a minor knee thing. He's going to play. Calvin Ridley, limited practice because of the ankle. Julio Jones, no practice because of the hamstring. Devontae Parker, limited because of a knee. Jimmy Garoppolo returned to practice, so that's good, even though it was limited. John Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster, no practice for both of them. Henry Ruggs back at practice. Uh, hamstring injury has cost him a couple of games. LaVisca Chenault, limited with a hamstring. Deontay Johnson, no practice because of a toe. Zach Moss, limited practice with that toe injury that surprisingly kept him out last week. And Deshaun Jackson, back at practice for the Eagles. He has a hamstring injury, but the fact that he returned on Wednesday means he's pointed in the right direction. And you listening to this episode of Fantasy Football in 15, that means you're pointed in the right direction as well. Thank you for joining us. If you still want to get in the door at The Athletic and you're not yet a subscriber, you can do so for just $1 a month. Go to theathletic.com slash footballin15 to do that. For Derek Van Riper, I'm Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15 will be back with you tomorrow. Until then, thanks for listening and enjoy the game tonight.